At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey there, and welcome into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Excited to get into it on this lovely Wednesday. Uh, today's show, we're going to have on Adam Burke, sports betting analyst at VEASAN, to talk all things Dodgers and Angels, who are in the midst of their series, and also have some interesting comp- competitors this weekend. Of course, the Dodgers hosting the Guardians and the Angels uh, off to visit the Mariners. So he'll be here to discuss all of that, what he thinks about the Joe Madden firing, and also what he thinks about Walker Bueller ending up on the IL. Too bad. Too, too bad. Uh, we'll also get into some WNBA uh, Wednesday action. There are three games going on that we'll take a look at. Uh, spoiler alert, it's a lot of me saying maybe you should live bet it. But uh, we will break down a very good defensive matchup and a very good offensive matchup. The offensive one starting actually at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So very early game. Aces at wings. And then Dream at Sun at 4 p.m. Pacific time. A great defensive matchup. And then Mercury at Fever also at 4 p.m. The poor Mercury playing on a back-to-back after their game on Tuesday night versus the Mystics. So before we get into all of that, let's take a look at the Los Angeles line. So the Dodgers, 4-1 to to win the World Series, plus 220 to win the National League. Minus 286 to win the National League West. Now, the World Series odds did get a, a touch longer. They were 350, 375 for a moment. Uh, so a little touch and go. But back up to 4-1. to one. They do host the Guardians over the weekend, as I mentioned. And the Angels, 60-1 to one to win the World Series. So if you like the Angels coming back out of this really, really brutal slump, 60-1 to one is a pretty great number to get on them, especially given that they have, again, I say this broken record, two MVPs, candidates, 
at the top of the odds board on their roster. 22 to 1 to win the American League for the Angels and 8 to 1 to win the American League West. They are, of course, visiting the Mariners over the weekend. I believe five game series coming up for them starting on Thursday. And then they have three more games in between and then back to the Mariners, or at least the Mariners come to them for three games. So we're going to see eight games between the Angels and Mariners. So if you want to take some notes around this first series and see how all the pitching matchups look, it'll certainly serve you well uh, for the second half. And if you don't, don't worry, I got you. Uh, the Sparks, of course, are 30-1 to to win the WNBA championship still. Still not something I would bet. I was actually asked the other day, any value on the Aces or the Sky or the Sun as far as WNBA championship odds? For me, they're all a little bit too short right now. It's a long season. Well, it's, or not, it's not a long season. That's baseball. Uh, it's a short season. There's only 36 games and we're a third of the way through but there's still enough time for these things to kind of adjust out of uh, where they are right now. I don't think that any of those top three have a ton of value, but if you wanted to look at something, I would say the Mystics at nine to one, as I mentioned before, definitely worth a look if you haven't already, because Elena Deladon is a game changer and she hasn't been playing all of their games, but when she's in, they are pretty, pretty hard to beat. So they could definitely go in and win a championship. The Sparks are back in action Saturday at the Dallas Wings. We had a really high-scoring affair last time and over with a total of 169.5, so could see another really high-scoring game on Saturday for the Sparks. As for the NFL, the Rams plus 125 to win the NFC West, 5-1 to to win the NFC, and 11-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they also have their Week 1 game bills at the Rams, and they're getting one point there, which is just begging to be put into a teaser. Minus 110 on the money lines and total at 52. As for the Chargers, plus 240 to win the AFC West. Good competition in that, man. 8-1 to one to win the AFC and 16-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. Not quite juicy enough, but pretty interesting. Raiders at Chargers. The Chargers now laying 3.5. This was 4. Now we've seen movement now, which I cannot believe lines are moving on the NFL games that are so far away. In September, and it's June, but whatever. Total for this one, also 52. And Chargers money line sitting at minus 190 still. But if none of that is your kind of thing. You could get into some golf. The U.S. Open begins Thursday, and Bet Rivers is giving you extra reasons to tune in and play. Just log in each day of the U.S. Open and receive a free profit boost to power up your tournament bet. Every round, a new boost for you to use before the round starts or while the players are on the course. Terms and conditions do apply. See site for details. Make sure your U.S. Open bets every day and get an extra boost while doing it at Bet Rivers. Go to Bet Rivers uh, app or check out BetRivers.com. You can find all these odds and so much more at BetRivers.com. So now let's welcome in Adam Burke, betting analyst at VEASAN. Of course, he's no stranger to the show. Adam, thank you so much for making some time for us today. Absolutely. Good to be here. It's uh, it's interesting, too. We get to talk about the Angels versus the Dodgers this time as opposed to talking about the two of them separately. Yeah, and they're both having their own unique set of setbacks at this exact time. So... Let's talk about the Dodgers first, because they seem like they have this laundry. I mean, they both have a laundry list of problems, but Bueller going on the IL does not help with their pitching concerns. Certainly not. So what do you make of this and what it means for the pitching staff? Yeah, it's not great. And I mean, look, we talked about it a few weeks ago. You know, Walker Bueller's fastball just it didn't look explosive. It didn't look the Mm -hmm. same. It felt like there was probably something wrong with him. Turns out that there actually is. Now he could miss as much as three months and. You know, obviously with such a prized arm, the Dodgers will make sure to, to take it pretty easy with him. But this kind of escalates a concern that I had about the Dodgers coming into the season was they don't have a ton of starting pitching depth. You know, they've traded away some pitching prospects to get some of the guys that are now part of the core of this ball club. And you got, you know, Tony Gonsolin, 
He's a guy that's already reached a career high in major league innings pitched. He hasn't thrown over 100 innings since 2018. Julio Urias is a guy that we've talked about where he had the big innings increase last year. This season, strikeout rate is down. Home run rate is up. He doesn't seem to be the same guy. Uh, you know, you've got Clayton Kershaw. He's made two starts since the end of April. This is a really big concern now for the Dodgers, who, you know, they draft and develop really well. They're a very smart team when it comes to scouting. They have currency that other teams want. But the question is, you know, how early can you pull the trigger on a starting pitcher deal if you need to do so? And right now they're running a little bit thin in that rotation. Is that what's probably contributing to what we're seeing is like this sudden drop off of effectiveness for their bullpen as well? Because it seems like that was a bullpen that we could rely on. And lately that's not been the case. I think so. And, and also, too, you, know, you talk about losing a guy like Walker Bueller, who's who's kind of a workhorse type of guy. He works deep into games. That's something that helps bullpens out. A lot of bullpens have struggled here lately over the last few weeks just because guys are tired, you know, or, or they're losing guys that pitch in high leverage situations. They have to shuffle guys around, stuff like that. It's the dog days of summer for a reason in Major League Baseball. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of bullpens are gassed. But now you're asking this Dodgers bullpen to do more. And something else, too, you know, early on in the season, we talked about this. They, I think they had won 21 games at one point and 20 were on the run line. Uh, they, I think their first 20 wins were mm -hmm. all on the run line. Now they're ah, starting to play times. closer games. They're starting to play, you know, games that have higher leverage situations in the late innings. Those are things that can tire out a bullpen, too, particularly when they have some guys that they're kind of hesitant to use back-to-back -back days. So we know they got swept by the Pirates as well, as you're talking about. They're kind of returning to that, maybe not being so dominant on the run line situation, especially, I mean, part of it is chalking up also to offensive concerns, not just pitching. But getting swept by the Pirates, okay, I was very, uh, don't overreact. We've talked about how maybe they don't get up for these lower teams. But then they also get swept by the Giants. So what are we to make of that? Are you concerned now? Well... Yeah, I mean, I'm concerned, especially on the, on the starting pitching side with the issues that they have, to be sure. But also, they mm -hmm. only scored four runs in that series, and that's yeah. not really like them at all whatsoever. And furthermore, the biggest issue for the Giants this season has been, defensively, they're terrible. They give up mm -hmm. a lot of runs because they don't field the baseball well. Their infield defense has not been good at all. A lot of their starting pitchers have high ERAs, but their advanced metrics look a lot better. For the Dodgers to not be able to take advantage of that, and, you know, be able to utilize that bad defense against the Giants, that's really concerning. And, you know, this is a team that does walk a lot. You know, if you, if you don't walk them, maybe you can kind of hold them down a little bit. And the Giants did a good job of throwing strikes. They actually converted batted balls into outs in that series. I, I'm still not overly worried about the Dodgers' offense. The pitching concerns, I think, are very legit. But also, I think that series kind of showed the ceiling for the Giants, too. And, and maybe that, you know, by extension, is something to worry about with the Dodgers. Would you look at something like a futures bet on the Giants over the Dodgers to win that division for that reason? Because obviously the Dodgers are the short shot. You can get a better value on the Giants. Yeah, you know, I thought about it. And, and Ben Wilson and I talked about that on Sunday night on the run line when we were discussing the sweep of, you know, I think we talked about the Giants in the 8-1 to one range or something like that at that point in time. And, and look, I mean, the, the biggest issue for the Giants is on defense. You know, the Padres... They're not a good offensive team. They're terrible against right-handed pitching. They're just outside the top 10 against lefties, but that's a team really being carried by Manny Machado and, surprisingly enough, Eric Hosmer. They get some bad news today on Tuesday about Fernando Tatis Jr. not being ready to start coming back and doing baseball activities. Mm -hmm. So that's a concern for the Padres. The Dodgers have all these issues with the rotation, and you know, God forbid something happens with a position player where they start losing some guys there. 
I, I could talk myself into the Giants. I haven't done it yet. I need to do some more schedule analysis between the two teams. But I, I feel like this Giants team has the most room for improvement of those three teams. And so you know, maybe they are a team that can close that gap a little bit more. It's so hard with this. I mean, I say this every time, but the season being so long and what it is, do you think that we can find value in fading the Dodgers in this exact moment while they're dealing with all these issues? I think so. I mean, I think maybe you could also look at them as something of an over team uh, on a day-to-day -day mm -hmm. basis because, you know, obviously another thing about Bueller is that everybody in that rotation is going to try to do a little bit more. And those are already several guys that, you know, either reached innings thresholds this year or last year, this season in the case of Gonsolin, last year in the case of Urias. Uh, you've got Tyler Anderson who, you know, finally had a rough start against Chicago. I don't want to overreact to that, and I know we'll talk about him in a minute for Wednesday's mm -hmm. game, but you know, he was facing the best lineup against lefties in Major League Baseball. So I wouldn't worry too much about that, but at the same time, you look at his career numbers and what he's doing this season, and you wonder about the sustainability of something like that. So I think, yeah, if you want to look to take maybe some overs with the Dodgers or you know, maybe look to fade them or, or you know, play that uh, plus one and a half on the other side, you know, if mm. you've got a big underdog situation, something like that, I think this is a spot where the Dodgers could struggle for a little bit before ultimately pulling themselves out of it. Now, I know you said you're not concerned about the offense, but I think it's been kind of asserted widely, and even Dave Roberts has acknowledged that there just has not been up to par for the level of talent that's on this team. And to your point about the Giants series, they did not score very well. They're situational hitting, stranding so many people on base. So do you expect that to bounce back? And especially, I mean, as it pertains to the series this week, obviously versus the Angels and then hosting the Guardians this weekend. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you know, look, the Dodgers do have, as you mentioned, three against my Guardians. Then they go to uh, Cincinnati for three. That's a very good offensive ballpark. I would think their offense could break out a little bit there. They're at Atlanta for three. They're at Coors Field for three. So they're going to some really good hitting environments on this upcoming road trip that could maybe pull them out of it a little bit. You know, we saw mm -hmm. the Braves do that themselves, where they went on the road, played some teams with some low strikeout pitchers. They got their offense going, wound up rattling off, what is it, 12 in a row now. So, you know, I think that's something that could very well benefit the Dodgers here on this road trip, but I also think their pitching could possibly falter a little bit. So, you know, I, again, I mean, it, like you said, it, it's such a long season. There's so much talent on this team. There's really nothing predictive about hitting with men in scoring position. There's no such thing really as a clutch factor. It's just that mm. guys that are good hitters are good hitters all the time. And there are a lot of good hitters on this team with a lot of track records. So, I think they'll pull themselves together offensively and, and this nine game this upcoming nine game road trip may be the spot to do it. So we know that they're facing the Angels in a series. Uh, we can talk about Wednesday's game. Before we do, I just want to ask your reaction to the sudden firing of Joe Madden. If you think that was something that's actually going to help this Angels team in the long run. What was your reaction to that? I'm look, help. I mean, that's you know kind of a subjective thing, mm -hmm. but I will say this. I, I think <laughs> Joe Madden's very overrated. I don't think Joe Madden is a good manager. Okay. I think he was propped up with, you know, such a brilliant organization when he was with Tampa Bay. Then he goes to the Cubs where Chicago had all those guys in their prime, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, so on and so forth. You know, that's when Kyle Hendricks was still good. You know, there were a lot of things that were in his favor with that Cubs team. I think he just wound up finding himself in a couple of really good situations. And, and I just think he's an overrated manager all the way around. So maybe it's addition by subtraction for them. I don't know how much they like Phil Nevin or if that's something that's going to work out. But, you know, look, I mean, 14-game losing streak with all that talent, something had to give. And usually the manager ends up being the scapegoat.
Yeah, that's the way it played out for them, at least. I'm interested in this Dodgers-Angels matchup on Wednesday because Mr. Tyler Anderson will be on the mound, who we've talked about extensively in the past and how we've been impressed with how he's approached this season or how he's performed. Um, and then Reed Detmers for the Angels, who for me has been a little bit a little bit more wishy-washy. So what do you think for this Wednesday matchup, Dodgers and Angels, to close out uh, the two-game series? So Tyler Anderson, as I said, you know, didn't pitch particularly well in his last start against Chicago. Gave up four runs on four hits in three innings. But the biggest thing for him in that start was that he walked three guys. You know, and, and he was facing the White Sox lineup that, look, for all their problems, for all their injuries, for all the guys they've lost, they're still the best offense in baseball against left-handed pitching. So that was a challenging matchup for him. Here he takes on an Angels lineup that's 18th and weighted on base average against lefties, 17th and weighted runs created plus. So an easier assignment for him. But Detmers is the guy I'm more intrigued by because mm. beginning with the start that we saw with the no-hitter against Tampa Bay, he started throwing his changeup over 20% of the time. He didn't do that in the start immediately following the no-hitter, but over his last three starts, he's thrown the changeup a lot and, in fact, induced a lot of weak contact against two very potent lineups with the Red Sox and the Yankees. So it seems like the Angels have kind of made an adjustment on the fly with Detmers throwing that change up a little bit more, a pitch to stay off the barrel of righties, something that runs down and away from them. That's an interesting little adjustment for him that's decreased his hard hit percentage, kind of allowed him to have a little bit more success with that pitch-to-contact style that he's got. This could be a game that you kind of look at the under because mm. you know the Dodgers are a team that you know, historically over the last few years, they've been much better against righties than against lefties, so maybe that's something mm -hmm. that works out. In I've seen that favor. recently. And, and also, too, you know, you, you make these adjustments, and, and these are important things for pitchers. If you start finding something that works, you get a little bit more confidence. And to throw shutout ball over eight and two-thirds against the Dodgers or against the uh, Red Sox and the Yankees is a pretty impressive thing. I guess the more I'm thinking about it, I'd maybe look first five under because the Angels' bullpen uh, has just been mm. a, a walking dumpster fire. For the Highly last questionable, month. yeah. So to me, I think maybe a first five under situation is in play in that one. And that's saying something, because I know you like to, to play those full games when you can, but this this team just does not allow you to do that, unfortunately. Well, and to your uh, also, point, you know, the Dodgers' bullpen has been a little bit shaky, questionable. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, and, and look, More I mean... More pressure on me, them. Yeah. To me, I, I like to play the full game stuff, but if I have two bullpens that just don't feel trustworthy to me, I, I will absolutely look at a first five. Well, I want to, of course, ask you about the series that's coming up on the weekend for the Dodgers as well, because that is your team, the Cleveland Guardians. So what are you expecting to see in this matchup? Will you be will you be betting on it? Will you be betting on your team? I don't think I'll have any action on, on the Guardians here in this series. <laughs> want to enjoy it? Uh, you know, I've, I've actually written about them twice in the last two weeks for my regression report column in Point Spread oh. Weekly. They're the best team in baseball with two outs and runners in the scoring position. That's probably not going to continue. This is not that good mm -hmm. of an offensive team. They just put a lot of balls in play. They don't strike out a lot. They don't swing and miss at all. Obviously, Jose Ramirez carries them in every way, shape, and form. But this is a team that I think offensively has been able to overshadow some poor contact quality because of the timing of their hits. And then the second thing, what I wrote about this week in Point Spread Weekly, is that their pitching staff is getting very, very lucky. They've stranded a ton of runners, specifically with the bullpen over the last month or so. That's something that I would expect to regress to the mean because you look at what they've done here of late and they've won 11 of 14, but they've played the A's and, and the Royals and the Tigers and teams like that. They've played some really awful baseball teams. Now they're stepping up in terms of their level of competition. So I think this upcoming stretch for them is a big time reality check. 
and it could very well start this weekend against the Dodgers. I'm going to put you on the spot here and just play a quick over under on these three game series. So in the first game on Friday, we have Kershaw and Plezak. On Saturday, we have Gonsolin, or excuse me, Urias and Quantrill. And then on Sunday, Gonsolin and Bieber. So let's just start with the Friday game. Kershaw in, over or under on this one, you think? I, I really don't like Zach Plesak I'm really I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> I, I really, truly don't like Zach Plesak against this lineup. And for Kershaw, yeah. only one start since he came back. So, you know, yeah. he's not particularly sharp. That's one where I, I think we could see an over type of situation there. Although, Again, you know, Cleveland's contact quality is so low that it's so tough to play overs with them unless it's mm -hmm. like 90 degrees and humid in Cleveland and the ballpark plays differently. Yeah. What about Urias versus Quantrill on Saturday over or under? I lean over because of what I've seen from Julio lately. Yeah, this is a tricky one because I think he's the kind of guy that can shut down this Guardians lineup. And Cal Quantrill is a really interesting guy that the market hates, by the way. So I, I expect mm -hmm. that line, whatever it opens, to probably go in the Dodgers' favor. The market does not like Cal Quantrill because he doesn't strike anybody out. He's a complete mm. pitch-to-contact guy. He's got good command, and he's got you know a pretty good pitch mix, but he just doesn't have that additional margin for error. Now, he's pitched around it for the most part this season and had a 188 ERA in the second half last year. So he's been a guy that commands the baseball really well, and it's tough because the Dodgers like to walk, and Quantrill mm -hmm. doesn't walk a lot of guys. This is one where, where maybe... Um, I, I would hope this totals maybe eight and a half or so, and I could maybe take a look at an under, but I'll, we'll have to see what that number ends up looking like. What about Sunday? Gonsolin versus Bieber. I have to imagine that you would lean under here. Yeah, I would. Man, that's tricky, you know, because Shane I know Bieber, it, it's really tough because <laughs> Shane Bieber actually starts this road trip on Tuesday night. We're recording on Tuesday afternoon, starts yeah. this road trip in Colorado and Sometimes there can be a hangover effect after pitching at Coors Field because you know your pitches just don't do what you expect them to do. Bieber's a guy who does not have a fastball this season at all. He's throwing a lot of curveballs, a lot of cutters. Um, you know that's something that is effective against right-handed batters. But the Dodgers have a pretty balanced lineup, so I'd be a little bit concerned that maybe this is the start where we see Bieber get knocked around a little bit. Uh, but I also don't expect the Guardians to do much of anything against Gonsolin. Although they have been better against righties than lefties. So that's one where that total is probably seven and a half. And I could maybe talk myself into an over there. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. So you're right. So maybe because we're expecting it to be so under, there might actually be an opportunity to go in on it over. Uh, I want to ask you two more things here. One of them, of course, is the Angels uh, facing off against Seattle as well. Any thoughts on that? Because Thursday they'll start um, at Seattle. Otani versus Kirby on the mound. Yeah, so George Kirby's a guy that throws really, really hard, but he's got a very shallow arsenal. He, he He's probably a guy that, unless he develops a third pitch, may long-term be a reliever type of guy, and he'd be dominant okay. in that role. But he's a guy that doesn't really have a deep arsenal, and I think that really benefits the Angels, despite the offensive struggles that they've had here recently. But just as an overall point with the Angels, as you mentioned, they got five coming up with Seattle, three against Kansas City, three more against Seattle. Those so are not... Many very good baseball teams so mm -hmm. if the angels are going to turn this thing around this would be the time to do it uh, and i think there's a chance that they actually do end up doing that so i may look to play on them a little bit here uh, if they can kind of shake out of this funk that they've been in for a while yeah so many games coming up for them against the mariners obviously at seattle and then they'll be hosting them after that so maybe the spot for them to get a little bit back on track now after they've 
kind of made the shuffle at the top, at least in terms of their manager. Uh, one last question I have for you. Uh, Dave Roberts is a topic that comes up a lot when we talk about the Dodgers for obvious reasons, as far as we're talking about managers. But I want you to uh, scale of one to 10. How would you rate the job he's doing? Because people have very strong opinions about Dave Roberts and how he's been managing things. Well, you know, I mean, look, it's pretty easy to fill out that lineup card every day. That's that's going to be <laughs> the best part of his day. Um, you know, look, I, I think that some of the handling of the pitching staff, specifically the bullpen, has been a little bit questionable at times in terms of when guys have come in. And, and I sort of wonder if that's kind of a team effort because you've got, you know, such a powerhouse front office there, especially with a guy like Andrew Friedman. Um you know, look, the one thing that I always saw, and I don't know exactly what the makeup is like of this Dodgers team, but I always mm -hmm. thought back to when Mike Hargrove was the manager of the Indians when I was growing up in the 90s. And, I mean, that lineup, if if Manny doesn't get popped for PEDs, if you have a different mm -hmm. voting electorate, Kenny Lofton hangs around on the ballot, that's a team that had maybe three to five Hall of Fame caliber players in that lineup. But the biggest thing that Hargrove had to do was manage a ton of different personalities. Because you had some guys on that team that were not very friendly. You know, you think of the Albert Bells of the world. You had some mm -hmm. guys that were kind of, you know, wanting to get along with everybody, but maybe you had to be up against it a little bit because there were clicks on that team and all of that. I just wonder what, for Dave Roberts, how much of this job is just kind of, you know, Managing. facilitating, you know, yeah. being sort of a counselor for, for guys and kind of getting everybody to get along and all of that because you have a ton of high-priced talent on this team. And, you know, a lot of and guys... He's mentioned that. that. Maybe think they should be batting higher in the order or something like that. Mm. I think that's the hardest part for Dave Roberts is just kind of keeping everybody together on the same page because the talent ultimately should win out. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And he's, he's mentioned that. I'm going to give him a 6 out of 10 for right now just because they're in the midst of a little bit of a losing streak. But I think people are a little too hard on him. And I, I love that point that you made because it's a, really a symptom of being a coach in Los Angeles, period, I think. Even if you look at LeBron, um, people saying who's going to come in and coach LeBron because that's not really the same situation as getting a young team, right? So um, it's a really good point. And I think that people are being a little tough on Dave. But maybe that's just because I'm, you know, he's a Bruin and I like to stick up for him. Uh, I think you're a 10 out of 10 as always, Adam Burke. So thank you so much for joining us. And um, I'll see you next week. I I'm, like have vacation brain already, but thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. It's always good to be here. Thank you for the compliment. And uh, I guess I can't really punt that question. I, I think six, six, six and a half out of 10 is, is probably pretty fair for right now, but also some recency bias filtering into that for both of us, because yeah. as we said, they are kind of struggling a little bit right now, but that's also where managers kind of prove their worth is, is being able to pull their teams out of that. So if they continue to struggle with this weaker schedule that's coming up, uh, then I think you can really start to have that discussion. Then, then it starts to plunge for me. Yeah, I was going to give him a seven, and then I was like, ah, oh, they're kind of in the middle of a losing streak. Let's go six. So hopefully he goes in the other direction. Hopefully the Dodgers do as well, at least for my mental health, because I have to talk about them every week. Uh, but thank you so much. And coming up on the Los Angeles City Cast, WNBA Wednesday action, three games going on. We'll talk about it all right here on the Los Angeles City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Let's get into the WNBA action going on on Wednesday. Hopefully you're hearing this one early 
if you want to bet on the Aces and Wings game because 10 a.m. Pacific time start time. Like, I, I know, like, where they're playing in Texas, it's going to be a little bit later, but my goodness, that's a, this is like an earlier start time than we're used to seeing for sure. Uh, this one's kind of a cool matchup. We have head coaches who have played together previously in the WNBA. So Becky Hammond of the Las Vegas Aces and Vicki Johnson of Dallas. Teammates for 10 seasons in the WNBA. So fun little matchup here going on. They have already played once this season. And unfortunately, since then, things have not been going particularly well for Dallas, who started out the season pretty strong, I believe five and two, and then started hitting some tougher, choppier waters, if you will. They have lost their last three games and have won one of their first five home games. So this losing streak they're on right now, of course, started back on June 5th with a loss to Las Vegas, the Aces. So uh, hopefully looking to keep it close again. They lost 84 to 78, six point loss on June 5th to the Aces. And now they're back at it again. It went under in that game. The total for that one, 171 and a half. And this is something we've talked about before on this podcast, that the Aces totals are... I don't want to say, I mean, inflated, really. They're hard to bet because they're expecting a lot out of the number one offensive team in the league, and it's not even close. But when we look at this game especially, it's two high-octane offenses, right? A first and third in offensive efficiency or offensive rating as far as the league is concerned. The Aces are first in pace. The Wings 11th. So the Wings have slowed down quite a bit. Um, Aces are also first in effective field goal percentage. They're uh, just across the board a really, really strong offense, the best in the league, really. So that's why you're seeing these crazy high totals that can totally, absolutely, possibly go over. But it's very hard to bet them because I don't know that there's a ton of value in them since they are so high. I do think you can get a better number in-game sometimes. If there's a lull in the game, you might be able to get a better number than, say, this 171.5 that we saw. To be fair, though... As far as overs go, the over has hit in seven of the wings last 10. However, the highest one that hit was a 169 and a half, which I believe was a game versus the Los Angeles Sparks, a team that has no defense to speak of uh, and apparently shot decently in that game. So that game went to like 90-90 with those teams, each team scoring above 90 points. I don't see that happening necessarily in this Wings-Aces matchup, especially because it's an earlier start time. Aces on the road. Wings are not particularly good at home for whatever reason. Um, so I do expect this to be a total that's high again. It might be adjusted because we've already seen this game just a few days ago. It was 84 to 79. So maybe it will be lower than 171 and a half, maybe 169 or so. But this is something I'd rather get in game if there's an opportunity for it. Two high octane, high octane offenses, as I mentioned. So uh, expecting a pretty high total. The one thing the Wings do really, really well is offensive rebounding. They're second in the league right now with that. The Aces are 11th, so maybe they can find a way to beat them on the boards. Uh, Dallas is first in second chance points as well, and the Aces are only eighth in second chance points. My guess is that because they haven't needed a lot of second chance points, they tend to make their buckets. Um, the Aces are also better off of turnovers, so they could create that issue for the uh, Wings. But uh, the Wings are just going to have to do everything they can to stave off this incredible offense. Aces first in fast break points as well, while Dallas is fifth in fast break points. So we've already seen this matchup once. It could be a pounding by the Aces this time. The Usually that's what we've seen in these games where the Aces, this number one team, play another team that can kind of keep up with them, maybe the first game, but the second game they've already seen each other, figured each other out, and they can kind of um, get, it, get it done a little bit easier, if that makes sense. So... I do want to bet the over here, 
but it really depends on what that number ends up being. Um, I think I'd rather get an in-game over or I would lean under for this game, uh, especially because a lot of these teams have been playing a lot of games in the last couple days, but very, very hard to bet an under on a game like this. So we'll see how it shakes out with the total. Um, probably looking for something live in this one and definitely aces to win. So if you want to tie the aces into a money line parlay with, let's say, the Sun, the Connecticut Sun, who are taking on the Dream, that's the next game we'll look at. Uh, that still probably won't get you a huge return because they're going to be heavy favorites on the money line. But if you tied that into maybe add the Fever, the Mercury and the Fever are playing. Do you think the Fever can beat the Mercury? Because I think they could. Uh, the Mercury aren't going to probably allow that. But to be fair, they have some things working against them. We'll get into that. But yes, Ace's money line for sure if you want to lay that kind of juice. Dream at Sun, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Now we're talking a little bit something more normal. The Atlanta Dream are 7-6, and six, which suggests that they're better than they are, unfortunately. Uh, and they are actually in the middle of a three-game road losing streak. And now they're on the road to visit the Sun, who, of all the teams in the WNBA, maybe have a little bit of juice when it goes to being at home. They're 10-4 and four straight up right now. So most recently, the Dream uh, lost on the road to Phoenix, 90-88, to 88, which is also kind of... I don't want to say unbelievable, but a little bit surprising perhaps if you knew that Atlanta was the first in defensive rating in the league, and yet they're allowing 90 points to be scored against them. Their defense is good, but sometimes they can't, more often than not, they can't control the pace. And so what ends up happening is that they get pushed forward. And the fact that they could go tit for tat with Phoenix and keep up with them and keep this only a two-point game is very impressive for their offense, but it also speaks to the fact that Phoenix is by and large one of the worst defense, if not the bottom defense in the league. Hopefully that's trending and turning around because again, they have a bunch of veterans on their team in the form of Diana Taurasi, Tina Charles, Skylar Diggins-Smith, who looked heated, looked really heated in their game on Tuesday. They are tired of losing their veterans. They're not going to go out there and not care. So Phoenix starting to dig their heels in a bit and start to maybe shift the ship around, especially probably having only a two-point win over Atlanta was a little bit of a wake-up call. But that said, Atlanta is just not a very successful offensive team. They're dead last in the league, and they're facing off a Connecticut team that is first in offensive rating or, or close to the top. Connecticut did most recently also lose to Chicago, 83-79, to and that was at home. Home losses sting worse for this Connecticut team, and they lost to those defending champs. So you can imagine that they're ready to go back out, get a win coming off that loss. Now, the Sun are averaging 87.1 points per game, which is about 12 points more, almost 13 points more than the Dream have been allowing. Again, the Dream started the season against not as tough competition, so I think that things are going to just continue to get more difficult for the Dream, unfortunately. Erica Wheeler is questionable for them on Wednesday's game with the foot injury. For the Sun, no update. No Jasmine Thomas still out for the season, unfortunately. Uh, but it looks like the Sun finally starting to at least get a rhythm with their group of people that they do have. Uh, unders uh, have happened in five or four of their last five games. So uh, their games... Uh, when I talk about uh, Atlanta, Atlanta unders here, their games only go over against bottom tier defenses. So we're talking the LA Sparks, the Mercury, as I mentioned, that 90 to 88 game. But otherwise, you're seeing unders against teams that are at all competent in defense. Um, the Sun are incredible at defense, top, top of the league. So 
I think that we will see an under. It'll be interesting what the number ends up being for this because if it's something around the one, you know, low 150s, 154s, that's not something I necessarily want to jump on because the Sun offense can absolutely demolish the Dream. And like I said, the Dream are capable sometimes, even though their offense is god-awful, of keeping up with teams as they push the pace. But I don't think that'll be the case here. The Sun's defense is too strong. Two really strong defensive teams. We're going to see a very low total on this. And it's similar to what we talked about, honestly, with that Aces-Wings being two really great offensive teams and how that total is going to be very high. So you may get an opportunity in-game on these, and that's what I would recommend if you want to have a little bit better shot at it. But I do lean under in this game and, of course, over. That's just obvious. Two really good offensive teams, two really good defensive teams. These are the games we have. Um, as for the Mercury at the Fever, also at 4 p.m. Pacific time, the poor Mercury are playing in a back-to-back, -back, and it's their third game in four days. So they they won in overtime versus the Mystics on Sunday. They had to play an overtime game. Then they play the Mystics again on Tuesday night, a game that they uh, fell behind early uh, and definitely slowed down. I had the first half under for that game, and it came home uh, by about two points. So it was a little dicey because we had a high-scoring first quarter, but the Tiredness definitely started to creep in. We saw that in the Mystics defense being what it is. That definitely contributed to it. We're not going to get that kind of defense from the Fever, unfortunately. So it's not as reliable. But it's not rocket science when you see a team having to play three games in four days. So I think that the Mercury are going to be struggling here. They're on the road again. The Fever at home, maybe they'll have a little bit of juice. Two fast-paced teams with little to no defense. That would spell out an over on most days. But... Back-to-back -back game factor for the Mercury. So, should be a close game. I'd be looking to get the points where you can, which I imagine will be on the Fever. I don't want to bet on the Mercury money line, given the situation I've just laid out for you that they're in right now. Uh, they shouldn't allow a loss to the Fever. That's going to be an all-time no-no mm -mm, for them. But again, they only just beat the Dream by two. They're coming off of these... Um, that miraculous win against the Mystics and this other not-so-good game versus the Mystics. So... I do lean under in this one, unfortunately, just because, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard because we have two fast-paced teams, and like I said, not very good defense from either. And that just spells like screams over to me. It could get messy. It could get messy here, and maybe you will see an over, but I'll have to see what the number is. Maybe the number will be playable for an over because, of course, the sportsbooks know what we know and more, so the line may reflect this Mercury back-to-back -back situation, and maybe we can look for something over, but gosh, not not really a team I want to bet on. If anything, like I said, the thing I like here would to take points with the Fever if you can get them, and if you can't get them pregame, if it's some kind of toss-up situation... Uh, then you'll definitely uh, want to look for something in-game. I know a lot of what I said today was live betting, but that's where I'm at with some of these games because it's really tough to see what you're going to see out of these teams that are kind of making pivots like the Mercury are right now. Uh, if you want a money line, everybody, Eileen Fever, I do. And maybe that's just for fun. The Fever have not been a great team at finishing games. The Mercury are mad. They're coming off of really tough times right now, and they're not going to want to let another one go to the Fever of all teams. Um but again, really going to be battling against some tough situa situational uh, circumstances for themselves. So 
maybe you go like sun fever aces money line parlay if you want to go uh, with the mercury in that parlay i would totally understand that as well but pick your team pick your fighter and enjoy uh, and as always thank you so much for listening to the los angeles city cast new shows monday wednesday and friday that's true for this week not so much next week there won't be a pod next monday but there will be one this friday it's a great uh profile on none other than pamela maldonado from yahoo sportsbook so uh, we had a great chat something to look forward to for friday's pod until then uh I will see you, well, Friday and then next Wednesday. It's all very confusing. You understand. Come on back for more of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.